through. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Facts of Sports Show that educates and entertains. I'm Jewel Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson, Jake Galley, and crunching numbers in the back, we got Stat Matt. This past week in sports, MLB's winter meetings kicked off, and it got interesting. The Phillies signed shortstop Didi Gregorius to a one-year contract. <laughs> the Yankees signed starting pitcher Garrett Cole to a nine-year, $324 million contract. I think I speak for everyone in this room and every Philly fan in the world when I say screw the Yankees. Yeah. It's a lot of money, though, man. I hate the Yankees. The Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Evans has been ruled out for the season due to a hamstring injury. He is currently third in the NFL in receiving yards. It's... It shouldn't hurt as much as it does. We have no playoff no, aspirations. Like, you know, kind of get healthy if you're put. It's a hamstring And injury. fittingly, he got hurt on like a 61-yard bomb, bomb. touchdown. And just, yeah. and just got just sniper yeah. got him. Yeah. Anthony Joshua defeated Andy Ruiz Jr. to reclaim his World Heavyweight Championship. I will say this. I'm glad he won. Because then I want Tyson, or then I want Deontay Wilder to beat Tyson Fury. Because I want Deontay Wilder to absolutely scrape Anthony Joshua up off the canvas. I don't know. Out of those three, in terms of actual boxers, I probably put Deontay Wilder third. But in terms of power, he's number one. So we'll and he's see. my favorite. So that's the yeah, most right, one. Right. Mine too. Mine too. Here's a fact straight at you: the NFC East is three and twenty against teams with winning records. Three of those wins all being the Birds, and don't have a team over five hundred. Are they the worst division in NFL history? They're goddamn close it's to bad, it. They're dude. goddamn it's close bad. to it. NFC least out there. Go ahead and try to defend your old crappy ass division. Go ahead. How long were you thinking about that one? The NFC least? Or you see I, I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter. You've been thinking about that all week. Oh, man. <laughs> I saw it on Twitter. Why do you think I suggested we, we, we leave with this? <laughs> I saw it on Twitter like a week ago, and I was like, I cannot wait to bring it up. Yeah, it, it's... It's very interesting because before the season, both the Cowboys and the Eagles were picked by a lot of smart NFL people are you to calling, win the Super Bowl. You call you guys smart NFL no, people? No, even like thirteen pe- and three and fourteen and two over pe- here. <laughs> <laughs> I said at first, I said the Eagles were going to go undefeated. <laughs> uh, things have changed a little bit, but no, seriously, like people at the Ringer are really smart writers who who cover the NFL for a living. They thought this team would be really good, and I think. Um, for both the Cowboys and the Eagles, things have gone wrong, but for different reasons. The Cowboys, a lot of the blame is falling upon the shoulders of Jason Garrett. Uh, some also Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, but mostly Jason Garrett. And I think I most likely he'll be gone after the season. I got to imagine he's going to be gone after the season. I mean, he's, he's, he's been got there no, for a while. And he's got no fight out of his players right now. And that's what makes me really mad about the Cowboys. The Eagles, I guess, have something to fall back on. Um, a lot of injuries going around, uh, a lot of things circulating their team. They have they have excuses. The Cowboys don't. Like, the Cowboys are mostly healthy and really are giving this division handed to them on a silver platter and just can't, will not pick up and run with it for some reason. Yeah, so the cumulative record of the NFC East right now is 17-35. and 35. The NFL record for the worst division ever is 22 and 42 that would be the 08 nfc west but here here is the caveat out of the nfc west that year the winner of that division was the nine and seven cardinals they went on to go to the super bowl so 
I mean, by that, you know, if, if we're doing transitive property oh, here, God, the Eagles stop. are going to make the Super Bowl. <laughs> God, I was stop. at the game. I've been to four straight Eagles games, and they've been four of the worst games. May I say that? Four of the worst games I've ever seen in person. It speaks volumes, too, that uh, the Redskins weren't technically even eliminated from the playoffs yeah. until it happened on God. Sunday. They were two wins, and that mathematically until week 15 had a playoff chance. They were, uh, I think it was 350 to 1. To win the division, so like if you put like a hundred dollars on that, you could make a pretty good chunk of change. I I was not considering it. I know one of the guys who like is a big sports better who I work with at Radio.com was considering it. I mm-hmm. advised him against it. And then, I feel like it's always the birds and the Cowboys though that are always like uh, for the last couple of, of late, years. Yeah, yeah. 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 Last yeah. Last yeah. Last they won the Super Bowl by winning the division at nine and seven. Right, yeah. Giants. Um, they didn't win the other night down, did they? No, and and the whole that Manning was, family. Though. I was actually prepared to like. I don't leave games early. I. Just letting Jake, that was one of the Eagles worst games, games I've ever seen. Half, like, if, the Giants, so if the Giants would have made it 24 to 3 at half, I was considering leaving. Oh, and, and, like, obviously, like, the rain didn't help either. It was cold and rainy. So, like, I'm just, like, sitting there. My offense in front of me is totally anemic, um, as they had been for the past three games. But I think I don't want to go too far on an Eagles tangent here. But oh, by, tangent away by all means. I kind of want to hear you. Go. The, the way that Carson Wentz closed that game really gives me faith that going forward, they don't have tough opponents. Okay, they have a bunch of NFC East teams that they got to play left. So it's not unrealistic to think that the Eagles could still win this division and the life that Boston Scott. That J.J. Ortega Whiteside on on his one nice catch that he had were showing me towards the end of that game. Zach Ertz, guys were running open down the field for the first time all season. And you know I'm gonna you know play my role, of course, yeah. as one of your best friends and bring you back down to earth now from everything that you just said. One, you guys had to dig yourselves out of a hole, which mm-hmm. you've had to do many that's, times. That's the Eagles' motto. Many right times there, out of the season, is that something you really want to bank? I no. get you're playing two win teams, but that's something you want to bank on. Is okay, we're going to be down seventeen to three and just dig ourselves. At one time, that's not going to work. Two, you got production in spot moments. It's my Korkmaz, um, Furman Korkmaz theory. Is you got a good moment out of those players in spot moments? You really want to rely on Boston Scott like for a you, full you got- game? JJ Ortega Whiteside for a full game? Is that what you want to rely you upon? You got ups when there were flaws. You didn't get ups. By beating them at their best, you also beat the Giants. Well, and that's yeah, that's the NFL. Like I don't, you beat who you beat. Um, and I think that oh, g- about- g- oh, give me a break. When when other teams, when we see the Patriots beat a two win team, your first thing, oh, they beat the Dolphins. Yeah. Beat the Dolphins. Okay. And now it's we're talking about the Patriots in the context of winning the Super Bowl. We're talking about. The Eagles in the context of winning one of the worst divisions ever. <laughs> and also, the Patriots have been playing those bad teams. It's not just a one-off year thing. It's been like the past 15 years, the majority of their division has my, been god-awful. And, and then, okay, and then my argument going off, completely off-script, my argument is like, is it the Patriots' fault that Mm-mm. the Bills, Dolphins, Which and comes Jets back to my are point. collectively you, no, some no, no, of the no, no, worst no. franchises so ever? The Birds are 45 Road favorites this week and going into FedEx. Do we think they're going to pull it together and kind of conquer points, the Redskins? Um, oh, the Redskins are playing, right? Yeah. Right. So they're minus four, four and a half. 
Um, no wide receivers left. No wide receivers left. Yeah, I, I probably, I stay away from betting like my own teams. I probably I would like take real, that line. It's going to be a real ugly game. It's two um, really bad teams playing. The Eagles are going to scrape together a win. That's what I see. Like four and a half is probably fair. Like so. Here's my, here's my advice. Hey, wait, you want my advice if you're an Eagles fan? Don't fucking go to road games. Don't go. Don't go to road games. It is only, it is a mistake waiting to happen. I've been to two road games in the last three years. They went to the Bengals and Carson's opening year first year and they got destroyed by the Bengals and then I we had just went to the Miami Dolphins game and we all know how that turned out so you would you'll save a lot of time and not, money by maybe, just watching it from home maybe it's not road games maybe it's oh, you on road games it is oh. me maybe oh. opposing teams they should get my you know go send me a check I'll go to the Eagles game That's when true. you're playing the Eagles and, That's true. Uh, They'll lose, but it's funny how how bad we're talking about the NFC East is. But really, like advanced stats, like kind of like the NFC East. They have in DVOA, the Cowboys ranked eighth and the Eagles ranked thirteenth. Um, DVOA and advanced stats also say that the worst division ever is probably the 2010 NFC West, uh, which won by which was won by a thirtieth ranked team in Seattle, who finished <laughs> seventy nine. And then what happened? What did Seattle do when they got to the playoffs? That's Marshawn Lynch on my dick run. Yeah, like, that was crazy. What was the stat that uh, it was teams that have finished? Um, under 500, but have made the playoffs in their first playoff game. Are 500 or under? They've won their last six. They've won the last the last six teams to do it about, are six and zero. Oh. Think about some of the most recent wild card teams to to sneak in in a really bad division. The Giants and was it, which one? Either one or seven or two thousand. Kind of both. I don't know. Both if, of them. One of them. They were six and nine and seven. Yeah. Okay. So sneaking in, winning the Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure the Steelers did it. Can't remember their exact record. Wild card was they started five and six, finished ten and six that one year. But like the Chargers won the division to eight and eight. The Tebow Broncos beat a twelve and four. Uh, one of the craziest Steelers moments team, in NFL a history. Seven, eight, and one Panthers team won a playoff game against Ryan Lindley, which is the worst playoff game that's ever been. So played. it's happened before. It's happened. Why do you think that is? Over. Like, why? Like, obviously Be- they're not. Because think, not the and thinking about it in in this case, I mean, the Eagles have been susceptible to it. The Eagles were susceptible to it. The first game of the season is look how inferior of a team is. I don't care if it's on the road. I don't care if it's a playoffs. We're we now know that we have to play a much harder opponent in the divisional round next weekend. That's who we're focused on, not this forgetting that there's an NFL team on the other side of there. An NFL team who is all but desperate, all playing with all sorts of momentum and complete emotion is just and out no the sports. And, and no pressure. No pressure. You're not supposed to win. Uh, so what do you guys think? I, there's been some uh, fuss made about the fact that an NFC East team is going to inevitably make the playoffs. But So people are saying that there should be reseeding. Uh, so it's not necessarily based off of if you win a division, you're still in, but you're not going to be you're not going to be getting a home game. I yeah. think that comes down to what the viewers are looking for, right? Because if you're looking for challenging, competitive games, yeah, you're not going to want to take anybody from right. the NFC East right now. But you've also seen these fairy tale stories come about in the past, so it, it's nice to see the underdogs. Hello, the Eagles. Right. Uh, you know, a couple of years back. And, and, back here's, and it's not like it's never happened. Like, I think that's why you keep it the same. It's because it's proven that just because a 7-9, 8-8, 9-7, 10-6 at the so best team gets in. 13-3. Well, <laughs> they were 13-3, and three, but they yeah, lost their MVP-level quarterback. That's they became underdogs. Which, maybe you consider them I an mean, underdog. Not, not, so. not on paper underdogs. I mean, the fact... They were underdogs. They're wearing damn they were dog hats. They, they were the underdogs yeah. throughout so, it all. And, and here's the thing. It's because it's like it, we've seen it happen. So it's not like it's 
impossible to take place. And I think if, you know, a bunch of these 7 and 9, 8 and 8 teams were getting in and all of them were getting the lights kicked out of them every single time, we didn't have these spot moments and these, you know, teams making great history, they probably would have changed it by now. And I, it's the same argument that's been made in the NBA, it, it's been made in the MLB, this reseeding. And I get it, but there's a lot of intrigue when you when a 7 and 9 team does well, go into the, the playoffs. NBA, they did change it because it used to be if you won your division, you were guaranteed a top four seed. And they got rid of that, and now you're only guaranteed to play. And, and, and like last year, Miami, or two years ago, Miami would have been the three seed or the right. four seed when they were the six seed. That the six. And as a result, and the NBA is different than the NFL, but as a result of that, divisions don't matter pretty yeah. much at all. Which I don't. I, me I don't personally, like, yeah, I don't like. for the NFL, I love the division rivalries. I love that this Eagles Cowboys game is going to mean so much because. Whoever wins it's going to get a home game in the playoffs. Um, you know, you don't really have that if you are going to be reseeding, and then the lower, the lesser teams are never having a chance of winning. And I also find it funny that this is all stemmed by the crybaby San Fran and Seattle fans who Seattle was 7-9 and nine and got into the playoffs in 2010. Yeah, but now they're sitting on this side of the table. Well, and of course. They're, right, they're right, like, well, we're going to be a 13-3, and 12-4 and four team. We're going to have to go on the road and play an 8-8 team who has no business sport, being here. Sports are cyclical, though. So, like, That's you true. shouldn't argue for this point, just because you're good this year, there will be a time five, ten years from now where you will be the bad team. Eagles went ten and six, missed the playoffs, while the seven, eight, and one Panthers made it, and the Eagles killed the Panthers on a Monday night game that year. Right, exactly. Speaking of crybabies, for the third time, the New England Patriots have found themselves admit an NFL scandal this week. Fuckers. And, yeah, I mean, in your guys' opinion here, are, are the Patriots cheating once again? So. It, Go ahead. It, Go it's on. kind of up in the air right now. There's still facts coming out. What is going to indict them or set them free will be what is on the tapes that the NFL now has. Uh -huh. uh, they were in what was it? In the Cincinnati owners box, They're or that, they were in they were in the the front office box. So either owners, you know, chairman, whatever. But they were in the front office box. Yeah. I feel like the NFL is like afraid of Bill Belichick. They're afraid to test him and punish him because he's gonna like. They I, I don't even know what it is. Yeah, they did overpunish for the flake. They lost the first round draft pick. They lost their one of the greatest quarterbacks ever for four games. So it was supposedly there was a cameraman in the Bengals um, front office box, whatever, filming the Bengals sideline. And the Bengals are now. So this was last week. The Bengals are the Patriots' opponent this week. And but are you going to read as to apparently why they were filming them? Or are you going to say that they were filming so them? So they were supposedly like, filming them the for story. a web series. Mm -hmm. Do your job, which actually, I don't know if you saw this, just was doing a feature on our girl Mickey Grace was just yep, on Do yep. Your Job from out, Trust the Process shout Live. Shout out Mickey Grace. Shout out Trust the Process Live. Shout out Westchester. She's a Golden Ram. Shout out Buccaneers. She was a former Buccaneers There you coach. go. You Mickey got it all Grace in there. Ties. So, and, you know, the guy says, oh, no, I'm doing it for... Uh, this, this do your job series, Which blah, 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 blah. Which is unaffiliated blah. from the Patriots. The Patriots' actual staff. Right. It, it so, is independent of the Patriots. Now, the, if you look back in 2015, uh, there is reports out there that the Patriots are doing something similar. They would send people under the guise of, oh, I'm from craft productions or i'm from patriots tv First as all, a media member talk about how phony does i'm from craft production sound well like, if you don't know patriots tv is to me worse like if you're, if you're just a security <laughs> no, guard okay. you might not know robert Kraft. like patriots tv like come on ball you don't know you know if you're working at any of you know who robert Kraft is but well if you're a security guard 
I mean, you 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 kind of just want to keep things moving most times, depending on who, on how on how high security level to you me, are. To me, that just sounds fishy. Like I'm like, craft production. <laughs> Wait a minute. I think it's if it, if it is cheating, it's gonna be really funny. So it'd be like someone robbing a bank and saying, "Oh no, no, I was just filming it on a documentary on how to rob." Right. A bank. They're like claiming it <laughs> was a mistake, okay, but they're intentionally what, doing it. Here That's is what, what we really have to ask ourselves. I get it. The Bengals, who are the Patriots, are playing next. The Patriots right now are a 10-win football team. Patriots right now are the number two seed in the AFC. The Bengals have one win. They're going to be the one pick. If you're going to risk this, knowing that you already have a target on your back, knowing that you already have the attention of the NFL, you're going to risk it this for the Bengals or the Patriots that desperate and or that stupid to risk all of this on the Bengals. Uh, like it's a it's team not that, about the Bengals. A so. team that they are going to beat in their sleep, regardless if they have a good, bad game, whatever. 17, so, 10, exactly, or 47. Like, why are your breath Here's why. Because why they do it every be, week. No, they probably God, do it no, every week. It's routine. That's my, why they my, do it for the Bengals. My thoughts on it are this. I And I'm not going to accuse them of anything quite yet. Do it. Accuse them, because they probably are guilty of it. If this unfolds, I think that they were trying to test it out on a shittier team first to see what they could get past. I've heard, and I've heard that argument, and I get it. It, it. I get the argument, but to me, I still don't agree because that's my whole point. If you're going to test it, and why test it against, like, if you're going to test it and, and risk it for the risk it get caught, right. like, risk it against the look, Ravens. Look. Like, why are you risk it against Make the Bengals? Make worth while, like, yeah. If okay. The Ravens famously started the deflagate thing, so they might want to If, one. listen, here's, here's, here's what I'll say about it. With this here's what I'll say about it, because we don't know what's going to happen. It all, like I said, it all depends on what's on the tape. If they look, and it's, you, you know, you and, you and I have done work to get B-roll before. It doesn't take uh, an entire first quarter to get B-roll for the Bengals sideline, uh, most likely. If they find that they're viewing the plays trying to get calls, they should ban the Patriots from the playoffs for five years. Why five? They should Because this is now the third time that they have gotten caught cheating. It is the same. It's not even like it's like the same franchise. It's the same group of people. It's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady-led Patriots. And they've been reprimanded multiple times and caught even before doing the same thing, kind of, when they were uh, had uh, Spygate back in, like, 05. So or 07 or whatever year that was. I, I, I think that the NFL needs to set a precedent that we will not have our product be jeopardized. Didn't they try to set that precedent when they suspended Tom Brady four games for deflating a football a fraction of a centimeter too much? That was that was to get back for, I think most people can agree that that was a little bit of an overreaction because they got off the hook for Spygate. So I call that even between their two previous scandals. Now I think you really have to drop the hammer that we're not going to allow this to go on because what it seems right now is that the Patriots think that, well, this is kind of obvious, that they think that they're smarter than everyone. They think they're maybe not smarter, but they definitely think they're bulletproof. Right. They, they definitely have the, the privilege mentality of, one, we're not going to get caught, or if we do get caught, they're not going to take us away. And that they have they might have a legitimate point of thinking that. We know the, the NFL revolves around what? Money. Money. Well, the Patriots You're going to take the most profitable team in the league right now and the best franchise and the best dynasty. You're going to take that away for five years. You're going to take the best playoff product the away years, for five years. The years are, are, are negotiable. 
But which, I think that they should have they a playoff that, ban. Which they if when if and when they do that, Tom Brady retires. Tom Brady retires. Right. Bill Belichick right. retires. So then you ruin all that. Like Goodell, I, I can see Goodell being like, "That's a lot of money that I'm throwing out the table." That's going to happen eventually, though. That's going to happen eventually. The thing is, if the Falcons got caught pumping noise in their stadium again, people wouldn't flip out like this. It's only because. Patriots have won a bunch. And because they got caught spying on no, people like before, man. The Falcons Matt. got caught doing the noise, which mm-hmm. really is incredibly effective for yeah. false starts and stuff. And Spygate, they cheated in 06 in the first game of 07 because that's when it became illegal and they screwed over the Chargers. They, I, I think it's... I don't... I think it. they bend the rules as far as and they break it a little bit, but I don't think it's really as bad as Patriots haters, which I like to be. A lot of <laughs> I think they should be fine, too. They should fine. be fine along yeah. with uh, elimination. Probably will. Any any, any reprimand. Belichick specifically, like you take him away for a season, like well, they did. He was Sean fine Payton. five That's months. That's essentially like a playoff ban. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, it is. All right, guys, let's shift it over to the NBA. Since 1989, 12 top three picks have missed 35 plus games due to injury in the season after they are drafted. Only three have made an All Star team: Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Blake Griffin. What does this mean for Zion? Who may miss half of the season? I mean, I I think it means it means a whole lot, not just for Zion Williamson, for the Pelicans, for Alvin Gentry, for that whole the NBA. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, that's that's a lot. If Zion misses half the season, I mean, people have purchased season tickets to see. Zion Williamson. They play. were put on TV a shit ton for Zion, just and for Zion. They've been. I mean, in the first twenty games of the season, they've been on TV what five, six times already, yeah. and have footage, shit performances when they've right. been on they TV. That's the biggest implication right now for Zion missing half of the season. Is you came in if you were the New Orleans Pelicans, ready to put a game plan around as any team would, ready to put the game plan around the number one draft pick. And this wasn't a team who got good and still had a number one pick from a trade that they accumulated a while ago and were a good team with the number one draft pick like the Sixers were when they got both Ben Simmons and um, Markel Fultz. But this is a bad team who was ready to get good because of Zion Williamson. And you have ancillary role players who are ready to feed off of him, a la uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a la Jackson Hayes, a la Lonzo Ball, who I think are seeing negative consequences and negative repercussions for not having the focal point of what they thought their offense was going to be out on the floor. Yeah, and besides... John Morant, who's now probably going to be Rookie of the Year, I think the person who benefits from Zion being out the most is Brandon Ingram, dude. Yeah. Ingram, probably after this season, I think he'll be. A, he has a choice to be a free agent, and he not with, max money. With, he max money, dude. He's going to be max, especially considering if you look at the rest of the 2020 free agent class. Like there is no one out there. Jalen Brown was going to be the top guy, and then he got signed. So. If Zion's in there, Brandon Ingram probably isn't able to put up as big of numbers. The Pelicans can probably then sign Brandon Ingram to a long-term deal for lesser money and then are better for the future because of it. Now, without Zion, not only do you miss Zion, Brandon Ingram's maybe outpricing himself for your payroll. Mm -hmm. And and there's no question that Brandon Ingram has seen resurgence in his game and I, maybe I, I attribute half of it because Zion's not there taking up usage rate and touches. But also, Brendan Ingram fits way better in the Pelican system and their dynamic in the city of New Orleans, better than he fit in L.A., especially playing next to LeBron James, which I think further feeds that point of Brendan Ingram wouldn't be the same player because, I mean, Zion and LeBron are kind of going to command the ball and command attention very similarly. They don't yeah. have similar games, but I think the Pel- they Don't they play on Christmas this year? 
The Ew, the they're Pelicans, one of the games. There's a few games. Possibly. Ew. That was 100% because of Zion. Well, maybe Zion will be back. He could be. He has a chance. And let me ask you this, then. If, if they are bad, and let's say by that Christmas game, they're just getting blown out without him, um, and they, they have no chance of making the playoffs. Do you sit him down for the entire year like yeah. the Sixers did Simmons? Yep. Absolutely. Like the Clippers did Blake Griffin. Like, yeah, absolutely. Why go out there and get hurt for a lost cause? I or, don't know, man. Even if you have a chance of an eight, at an eight seed, why go out there and risk injury to get blown out in the first round by the Lakers? Why? Right. Well, why? Or the Clippers? Like, why Why risk it? What's What's the benefit there? Yeah. You get Brandon Ingram his extra touches. Mm. You let your offense, you know, gel, let people get added exposure because Zion's not there. At the end of the year, now you get to see what your later draft picks and your bench players might look like for when you get better. Maybe they can blossom into role players. And all you do is rush Zion back for something that's empty. Well, to me, not, it's, it's empty. Not necessarily rush him back. Let, let's say by the time he is, like, scheduled, ready, I fully rehabbed but, but they're, he, they're two three four five games back from the eight seed uh, but I mean, apparently they're already withholding them uh, but like uh, apparently he turned the corner in some rehab and was way ahead of schedule in his rehab process and they still were like whoa pump the brakes so I, I just i don't know i i being a sixers fan i understand obviously why teams would hold a guy like that out but i also think it's really important now experiencing that ben simmons is a guy who He'll talk on and on about how important his experience in the playoffs versus the Celtics and learning from that experience, Mm -hmm. learning how teams, when they're now focusing on you for seven games or however long the series is, how much different of a game it is from a regular NBA regular season game. So, I, I don't know. They're a really young team, as you said, and I think that there is something right. to be he's, gained he's, from a playoff. He's going to get that. It's not like Zion's never going to be in the playoffs. It's not like, I mean, we hope. And it's not like Zion is never going to have you know, those experiences that Ben Simmons just detailed. And he is a young team. They have time to do it. So crossing sports, it's almost like how I'm referencing and how I kind of view it is when you look into the NFL and there's you know time after time where a team will draft a quarterback at the top of the draft and then they'll sit him for like the entire or most of the first year so that he can learn and he can take in stuff and I think that ends up being the wrong way to go about things. I think you probably are better off by having guys experience and learn from experience um, to get that out of the way. So now in the second season, uh, Zion isn't going through the rookie struggles. He already went through them, and we can kind of move together yeah, as a but, team. But look at all these. Look at the people with Jules Fact lead in. Look at the people that she named who uh, you know have missed 35-plus games in their first year and come back as all-stars. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Blake Griffin. And that speaks for itself that they came back as all stars is you get even you know even when you're injured Zion's traveling with the team Zion's there he's probably still doing some rookie duties you get that learning how to cope with NBA life without playing attached to it you can almost focus on it more they almost come in a little bit more mature because they don't have to worry about you know playing on the court and getting their game better and then a lot of these you know this other stuff in the NBA life hits them so hard they've been they've been chilling they've been focusing on it and they're able to take it on a lot more and see it from kind of a sideline view and then you know come into it and last thing before we move on here about the Zion thing is that I I really do feel bad for Alvin Gentry who will likely be fired without having one game of Zion Williamson play for him which is just every time it's just terrible every time Alvin Gentry's team is about to get good something gets stripped from him when they got boogie and it was AD and boogie and Drew Holiday is kind of like their little big three they're like oh my god finally a six seven seed in the playoffs 
and then Boogie tears his Achilles, and Alvin's like, man, here we go with another 30-win season. Right, and then when, once he has, oh, well, at least I have AD, and then oh. AD wants to leave yeah. and sits oh. out until he leaves. So, I mean, look, it, it's not the current regime's guy. Uh, he was hired by Del Demps, who's no longer there. Screw Del So, I, while it's unfair, I, I think it's understandable that this front office may move away from him. Yeah. So, a couple key words that stood out to me just from your paragraph that you just had. Maturity. <laughs> your little dialogue, whatever you want to call it. Sixers, maturity, <laughs> and all-star. Joel Embiid is averaging 5.5 less points and has a field goal percentage of 45.8, which is, has been the lowest in his entire career this year. Can the Sixers make Embiid and Simmons work at this point? I don't like. First of all, I just want to say that was very smooth what you just did. Because it stood out to me when you were saying it. I was just like, I don't even know if those words should be in the same realm anymore. Well, I'm questioning it. Did you guys hear what Embiid had to say last night about his maturity and and what he said to Nikola Jokic? He was saying essentially like they were like oh what'd you say and he's like yeah I told him to just keep being himself and that's a lesson that I need to take. Uh, personally as well because I haven't you know he kind of talked about how trash talking is something that is totally part of his game and Mm -hmm. he's this year really focused on his maturity he's like I haven't really done it more than one or two times and you know I've had my struggles and to be honest like I just need to get back to being myself and it's an interesting balance because he has to be a leader and he has to be someone who brings the team together and is always cool level-headed but at the same time he's a guy who feeds off of that going at you, trying to get you unraveled, trash talk. So It loosens him up a little bit. He struggled this year, and and despite that, I mean, struggle is relative. He's still averaging 22 points, 12 rebounds. Leads the league in defensive rating. Right, is still dominant on the defensive end. And at home, speaking of dominant, the Sixers have been just that, Mm -hmm. 14-0 at home. They're on pace to win 59 games, which would be the best for the franchise since the 82-83 championship season. I mean, they're they're still winning games despite their supposed meshing issues on offense. But you can see where the, where the struggles lie. If you watch the Sixers for a full 48, you can see where these issues occur, and that's what brings up the argument that presents itself right now with this Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid dynamic. I mean, you have two of you know top 20 players in the NBA on the same team. Of course they're going to be a good team. Of course they're going to be lesser opponents is what you should do. But we're talking about can this team get it done Ultimately, you can like they this. win a championship? You like this. Goofy-ass Chuck Barkley came out and said, Joel Embiid, Sixers have no chance of reaching the finals. People what do you got, have to say People got that? on Chuck. He not speaking fact. They have a, obviously, they have a chance. Chuck said Portland was going to win the West last year. Yeah, I mean, come on, Chuck be saying things. Portland also, I mean... Yeah, Portland was also one game away from going to the West. He's Conference like a mental J.R. Smith. That's right. They beat they beat the Nuggets. That's right. Chuck so is there. Chuck. I equate him mentally to J.R. Smith. When something comes to the top of his mind, when it touches his hands, it's getting let go. Ain't He's ne- putting it up. Chuck, I feel like Chuck doesn't like give him. the Sixers in general like any credit. Well, let's see. Well, let's see why he was talking about that. He's looking at their two best players and how they play cohesively on the court together and I think he's seeing a lot of dissonance there 
Without Joel Embiid, the Sixers right now are three and two. Their pace is one hundred four point six, or how many possessions they get a game. They have a one thirteen point six offensive rating and a one hundred six point nine defensive rating. Simmons himself is averaging seventeen point eight points per game, six rebounds, seven assists, and three steals. He's finally without, making three pointers. Yeah, got two threes in there. Go. I don't know if those with or without Joel Embiid, but he got two He's threes made, in made there. He's making fifty percent of those. And, and and his normal average with. You know, and all games included is 14.7 rebounds, eight assists, and two steals. So his numbers go up a tiny bit without Joel Embiid. Now, now I think it's worth noting that one of those five games was the game where they mangled the Pacers just recently by like 46 points. Right. So with such is a small that, sample size. Is that now is that you know is that something that tips the scales or is that an indication? They probably would have done that either way but I, I will say before we get into the stats without Ben Simmons I will say that just watching that game made me want to have a conversation about should the Sixers actually consider we talked about should they trade Be, uh, Ben Simmons maybe should they if you're going that route should they actually trade Embiid and that that's Almost unfathomable. Matt is like Matt is beside in himself. agony about that. Stat they Matt will look, Matt, calm down. Calm down. And two and one. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. It's not over. But what I saw in that they game. They wanted perfect. What I saw in that game was a free-flowing, fast-paced, downhill style of basketball that fits like a glove when compared to the NBA as a whole and the way the game is played. Now, Ben Simmons looked like he was unleashed. He was aggressive. He had 34 points, and I get that it's the Cavs. They have no one to stop him. I get that. But that is what he can be. And it looked more free-flowing when you, especially in that starting lineup where everyone's so big in the half court where Ben Simmons automatically gravitates to 10 feet beyond the basket, at least when Joel Embiid's not there, at least there's a spot for him to insert. When Joel Embiid is in there, it just packs the paint and makes them so congested. I, I just want to move to, we talked about it in the games. The If you look at just on-off court, so there's games that they both play in, Simmons' shooting percentage goes up when Embiid's on the court versus when he's off. 59% when Embiid's on the court, 55.4% when he's off the court. And Embiid's stats with Simmons, that he has a higher true shooting percentage, 559.9% true shooting percentage versus 54.5% true shooting percentage. So when they're on the court, they're more efficient players. But when are they're they, on the court together, they're more now efficient are they, players. Now are they taking, like, what's the sample size? Are they taking a lot less the, shots? I, the or reason a lot more why shots? I did shooting percentage for Simmons, not true shooting, is because for reasons that obviously don't matter, his free throw percentage is much lower when Embiid's in the game, which is just fluke. So I, that's why I didn't use it. I, I just think that... And Right, so that is obviously with Simmons or with Embiid, both players are going to be better, but they're not at their best mm -hmm. with each other, in my opinion. That's unquantifiable. There's no stat that, that, that can definitively say, yes, Embiid I is test. always going to be better. And mm -hmm. right, it comes down to eye test. So I, I don't know. It's not going to happen, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But when you look at them going forward, I think a lot of their success is going to depend not on the star players, but more so on the role players and how consistently can Matisse Thibel provide consistent three-point shooting. Mike Scott, how consistently can he knock down those corner threes? That is where they're going to separate themselves from other teams because their stars are, are, are you putting them up against their best-known players? Not in the playoffs. Mike that's Scott where, can't, can't that's where it on hot on, uh, what was it, 
Saturday delivering 21 points as the start of the season. Yeah, he looked, yeah. Good. He looked really good Very in the starting good. run. That was that was with Ben Simmons as he was flying around, what? kicking out to people. But I, I and just look, and look, but it but it does come down to your star players, especially in the playoffs. Like it, it's it's you go as your star players go in the playoffs, and we've seen them literally fumble in the playoffs together playing on the court. Well, and Bede, if you, if they want to win. He cannot be doing the turnover thing that he's doing right now. I mean, that guy, that when they were up big against Toronto at home, which is probably one of their best wins of the year, marred by the fact that it ended up being a five-point game after they were up by 18, I think, at the start of that quarter, mm-hmm. all because... Embiid and the rest of the team were turning the ball over. I think Embiid had like three straight possessions down the stretch turning the ball over that all led to Toronto points. You you can't do that if you are the number one this? option Embiid's on a team. playing below level and they're on pace to have their best season in 37 years. Yeah. Which just shows well, the potential the strength of the, of the team. It's, it's all the strength of the, the home picture. runs. They're looking at every... Right. It's, they, it's, it's they all the strength of the home a bunch runs. of kinks and they're already... At, they're right now one of the title contenders and they have a bunch of kinks. And they can and they're iron and you can iron them Look, out. If, if they stay perfect at home, yes, that's what's off the streak. Are you going to stay perfect at home? No. Are you going to hit a losing streak at some point in the season? They're going to get 38-3 at home. I'm that's, telling you that. Thank you. That's right, baby. That's right. But I, that, that's, that's I fine. I agree with that. I can't. I, <laughs> <laughs> 20 and 21 on the road. That's 58 wins. Um, okay. But, at, like, that's all well and good, and you're right about that, that it is just a few little things that they have to tune up, but it's been a few little things, and it's been the same the few same. little things. That's what's troubling. That, it's been a the lot same. of roster turnover, too, that they have to deal I with. I get it. Look, it's not. I'm not going to act like the sky is falling. The Sixers are probably going to end up a top three seed at minimum. So we'll have to see into the playoffs what happens, and I agree, James. You can't really judge based on the regular season. I, I think the flaws get really put to the test once it comes playoff time. But it's interesting. I'm like circling all the way back to your when we were talking about trade Simmons and then you bring up the trade and beat point. Um, I mean, without, so we talked about Simmons or the Sixers and Embiid's number without Simmons, but the Sixers, or we talked about the Sixers and Simmons numbers without Embiid. Right. The Sixers and Embiid's numbers without Simmons, they, they get a little shaky. They go one and one. Their pace goes down from 104 without Embiid to 98 without Simmons. Their offensive rating goes down to 107, and their defensive rating goes down to 105. They got Raul Neto. Right. They've got, they've got Neto and Josh Richardson running the but, point. But... That 98 pace is, like, terrifying. But the 98 though. pace <laughs> is what I'm keying on. They go slow, so much of a slower pace but, without them. And Embiid without Simmons is 18 so, points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 turnovers. Do you want that right. from your best he, player? He's, he's discernibly. Want, but here's the thing. That's only two games. So, like, that is a tiny, tiny sample size when you look at the entirety of the NBA that's, season. But that's okay. But I guess I get that it's only two games. But in those two games, I'd love they to see it. Yeah, I'd love to and see something by, better. By, by the way, those two games specifically were at Denver where they, they ended up lo- losing. And they then, they, they, right, it was Jokic's they, game winner. And then they played at home versus Charlotte uh, where Embiid was a little better in that game. But I think all in all, it's going to take some miracle to make them mesh down the stretch where teams aren't going to be able to clamp down on one or another come playoff time. I don't know. I think that also comes into what you you both were saying before with other key players. Like, 
Toby's finally showing that he's worth That's 180 one. million dollars. That's, That's a big one. That's a big one. You know one. what I mean? Like he's That's finally stepping one. up and saying, "Hey, look, Token this is what I had to offer." At the uh, the end of last season, he looked like he was out of place on the offense, and he couldn't even hold his own on defense. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler's fault there because he well, pushed him out of the right. role that Tobias should be in, which <laughs> is listen to how you talk about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's fault because he pushed him out of the Jimmy Butler's fault because he played well. Way. Jimmy Butler's fault because he saved y'all in some games and Jimmy. Butler's fault. Yeah, I agree. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I have no hate against Butler. No, I don't. I don't really dislike you have a Butler. Little bit. I don't. You I have, have a little, little bit, bit, but it's Matt just because does. of the type. I know Matt. Yeah, yeah, he's he's fun. 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 Quiet over there. Quiet over there. It's fun to root against Butler for fun, but I actually like don't really dislike. Right? No, he's like. When he played here, the thing was, oh, he's such a great fit because of how hard he works. And I get that and I understand that. But I, his persona is what is what drives me the, the other way a little bit. Not necessarily him as a basketball player. Oh, see, I like him. I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists that he turned him beat against Simmons. No, he didn't. No, I, I don't. He loves him. I, I, no, he turned him beat against. Uh, are you saying Embiid loves Simmons? Embiid loves them both. Yeah. Right. Embiid no, loves I think. And, and Jimmy Butler. And I think that as Butler started to take that limelight away, I don't want to go too far back to last season, but like as he started to kind of tell, oh, I'm the fourth quarter guy, I'm the quarter reserve and Embiid, Embiid and Simmons were like. This is, is our team. This is our damn team. You, it's your team if you perform, but it's no coincidence that inside of his first five games, he had two game winners. Yeah, and I so all in all, to, to kind of put a bow on this, Embiid and Simmons together are not at their at their maximum Peak. potential, but that they don't have to be to win the title, I don't think. At least get to the title. I'll I put it that. Win the title, maybe they have to maximize. Get to the title, we'll Look, see. your opinion is your opinion, but I don't think I've ever seen a team get to the title where their best players aren't playing to their max. Matt probably has some team in fucking the 80s that did it, but like... I can see it in his face. He's ready to get it, but like... When the Pacers finally made the finals, Reggie Miller had kind of a down year. Okay, Boom. there you go. Good for, good for Reggie and good for the Pacers. All right, guys, shifting over to our segment, Bullish or Bullshit? It's my, one of my favorites. Oklahoma's chances of beating LSU in the Peach Bowl. Bullshit. I'm I'm going to – I'm not bullish, but it, I don't think it's totally bullshit. I always ride the fence on, on these. But I would – if I had to pick one, I'd say bullshit. But – Let's let's just think for a second. Who wins it? No, I I that was way too that was way too much of an impulse answer. I'm switching. I'm switching to bullish. They got there. There's if I had to bet on one, like I I I take their chances. Eleven point favorite LSU. Yeah, yeah. LSU has been. Dude, they give up points. I've seen them give up Here, a whole lot also, of points to teams. Also, Jalen Hurts and I, this is a point that I always make when referencing him, but I think it's so poignant and important, especially when it comes college football playoff time. He's been there and he's, he's done, done that twice. Twice. <laughs> so like he's a guy who is almost like as much of a pro as you can be at this point in his career. He's changed teams and he's changed offenses. He saved he, he just as much as Tua had to save him two years ago, he had to save Tua last year to to put him in. And to have that at your quarterback position is probably invaluable. Even to Lincoln Riley. Like I bet even Lincoln Riley was like, Man, I'm glad I'm glad I have you because I'm nervous right now. Like I'm glad I have you to yeah, go up against all, LSU. With. Of all things, I'm I'm still gonna side bullshit, but I am bullish on the future of Jalen Hurts. I really am excited. So you're about officially the going bullshit for bullshit, bullshit. Yeah, mark me down. LSU's winning that game. I'm a, a, here's the thing, like like I think LSU is going to win it, but the chances they have, like, I'm bullish on their chances. Okay. They got a higher okay. chance than, than most people give them credit for. I hate this next 
It's just because it's like a no win. Bucks or Lakers chance of breaking the NBA win record. I hate them both. So Who I'm hates just the like, Bucks? why do you hate the Bucks? Because <laughs> they're against the Sixers. What do you well, mean? Well, you don't. I don't like. They're the, in the conference. We have to beat them. Because they're one of our biggest competitors. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't. But I, I thought. I thought it was like personally. You hate the Bucks. No, I, um, my family's from Milwaukee. Uh, right, I, I, like, say, yeah. I like. I like the ever do no, they'd anybody. be my number two team to choose. Like, but I'm saying, like, if we're hurting So I would say that if I had to choose one, I'd be bullish. To be honest, I think that the Bucks have a good chance they are smashing the teams the... by the way there is a collision course for these two teams coming on i think it's december 19th they could both be on big win streaks if, uh, if, if they both keep winning they'll both be on like huge 20 game i think win streak right so now they're both on pace to have 71 wins Oh, right, okay. so they they hit both another. need to pick it up a little bit, but I, pick I, it up a little bit. They got like four well, losses right, to break combined. The yeah, to to be on pace to break the record. I mean, I, if I had to pick one, I'm bullish too, and I'm I'm bullish on the Lakers because not only are they one of the best offensive teams in the NBA, but they pride themselves. Anthony Davis has LeBron Man, playing defense, like dude. Anthony Davis has LeBron extending himself on defense. Whoa, like <laughs> it's like I can't believe another player like that. Apparently, that was their one of their deals. But apparently, when signing with the Lakers, Anthony Davis said to LeBron, like, I'll sign here on one stipulation. you got to give your all on the defensive end. It can't just be about offense. And LeBron has held up his end of the bargain. So, like, I'm bullish about it. I'd like to see it happen so that they can rewrite the history books. And yeah, the it's been, not they've been there. awesome, man. All right, next. Luka's chance to become the youngest MVP in NBA history. If he wins MVP, he will be replacing Derrick Rose as the youngest to win the award. It's... <sighs> I'm going to go bullshit only because I don't think the Mavericks are going to do well enough by the end of the season for him to get MVP. Like, I like I think well, the race is going to come down to, like, him, LeBron, you know, Kawhi, and Giannis, and the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks are all going to be one and two seeds in their conference, and they're going to want to give it to them. Look, I'm bullish. James Harden's averaging 38 per game. James Harden, too. Hard, I kind of forget the, about the, James Harden. The NBA, especially the writers um, who I think vote on, on that award, who votes on them? Who it's votes NBA on this? Writers. NBA yeah. writers. I I feel like most guys don't like James Harden, and then when you look across, most at the, girls don't like him either. He's creepy. And when you look across <laughs> at the, James is like carried on. Duly noted, Jewel. Uh, <laughs> but when you look at his other competitor for that award being Giannis, who just won last year. Giannis would have to do something way, way past what he was doing last year, which he has improved, but he hasn't been way better. Where Luca is the new guy to break onto the scene. They and love creating storylines that. that they can write about. And, so and they love I'm the, bullish. They love the breakout player. Dude, he's averaging. 30 points, 9.8 rebounds, and 9.2 assists at 20, 20 years, years old, old right now. That is like throw up worthy. That is insanity. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Last one. Chances the number one pick of the 2020 NBA draft will be from outside the NCAA. Hmm. I'm I'm bullish about that because I'm I think, too. I yeah. think Lame, we've already talked about them. We're both very big fans of them. But I really think that Lamella Ball is going to end up being the number one pick in the NBA draft. He's on injury right now. When he comes back, hopefully he will resume his great play. Um, but, I mean, I'm, look, I'm bullish about it. Like, I think it's got a really good chance of happening. And I think R.J. Hampton can shoot up draft boards, too. Yeah, he's he's uh, possibly in contention as well. And I think the guy who we just spoke about, Luka Doncic, kind of shows that, hey, guys from, from overseas, 
can be worthy of the number one pick. They, they are usually more polished prospects. And when you look at it, I think LaMelo Ball, if I was picking, would be my number one guy. But then again, the next like four to five guys are probably all from the NCAA. So it's interesting. It's going to be close. For me right now, it's LaMelo Ball and Edwards go Edwards, yeah, from Georgia. He's great. So it's, it's one of, it comes down to one of them. All right, guys, let's head up to the countdown. Number five. The rank Michael Thomas sits currently in MVP voting He's been, again, I know that I've given him flack in the past, but that guy's incredible. Apologize. No, I'm not going to apologize, <laughs> but uh, he has been incredible this year. I hate that the MVP is such a quarterback-centric award because I think you really have to give him his just due. I think he's, right now, they I mean, should have a separate, like, award that's, like, quarterbacks can't so win. You said you said that a couple of episodes yeah. yeah. ago, Matt. You did say that a couple, because it's the same thing we said about so Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, right. it's, it's sad. Number four. Number four, the number of times an AP number ranked college basketball team has lost to an unranked team so far this mm. season. The latest being Texas Tech upsetting Louisville 70 to 57 the other night. That is insane. That's wild that this year. I mean, there's it's been really tough. Can someone hold a ranking? Year, six and four. Yeah, can <laughs> yes, someone hold terrible. a number one ranking, please? Like, my God. Yeah. I, I, I didn't anticipate it. Number three. The number of quarterbacks in the college football playoffs that are transfers. Justin Fields from Georgia, Joe Burrow from Ohio State initially, and then Jalen Hurts, obviously, from Alabama. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting kind of shift where, you know, guys used to just sit behind whoever was the quarterback. Oh, he graduated. Okay, it's my time to lead this top team. And that's just not the way it is anymore. Guys are, you I know, mean, Kyler, talking about Kyler player. Murray did it. Kyler Murray sat behind Baker. Player empowerment, man. Yeah. It's, it's going all across sports. It's, like, I've never seen, especially in college football now that or college sports, that players are doing it. Um, like, it's, it's you know, it's, it's really crazy. Number two. The number of TDs, God, let me take a second. All right, I'm ready, Jewel. Say it again. <laughs> number two. The number of TDs Jameis Winston is behind Lamar Jackson for the NFL lead. He's also only seven yards behind Dak Prescott yeah, oh, wow. for the NFL lead in yards. Oh, he's what else? And currently is leading the league in interceptions thrown by like 10 interceptions. Just say something, Jake, please. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. Here, how about this? You let us hear the same record as that. Not only that. Doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> any better. They have been one of the best passing attacks in the league. I mean, that, between the him, Evans, and Godwin. Yeah, best wide receiver. That's a, that's a nice little trio you got there. He's got to be okay. Things will be okay. You, I think, maybe overvalued what the Buccaneers would be this year. Eight, I said 8-8. Eight they're where? Six That's, and seven right now. Yeah. <laughs> we are on pace to oh, go eight shit. and eight. You were pretty on pace. Thank you. I and totally all y'all gave me shit. Oh, wait, we had a bet, didn't we? Yeah, all y'all gave me wait, shit. Wait, what was our bet? I wasn't, I wasn't going to. I forget. We're going to have to listen back. I, I had to sing the Eagles fight song, I believe, or do something along that nature. You did do, I, It was something like that. Well, we'll find out. It was something like that. I actually wasn't. You brought that up. I actually wasn't going to say anything until <laughs> it was over, but I knew in the back of my mind this whole time that y'all gave me shit for that, especially you over there in the freaking corner. Over there in this corner. They could still end up six and ten too. <laughs> Bring it down to number one. The number of times a pitcher in the MLB has made $36 million in a single year. That would be Mr. Garrett Cole, as we spoke about at the top. Uh it doesn't necessarily surprise me that the Yankees threw so much money. Screw the but Yankees. He's gonna be like 37 at the end of that contract. There's no way that the back years of that contract are gonna be good value for the Yankees. That's, I mean, I hope so. I hope. I sincerely <laughs> hope you're right. Because, um, I, I mean, I can't really predict a drop-off coming for Garrett Cole. He's immaculate. So, screw the Yankees. Good for Garrett Cole. 
Uh, oh, that, that's me, isn't it? All right, that's all the time we got, but we can get some shots up at the buzzer. Julie, have anything to say at the buzzer? I have two things to say. It's, as of about five seconds ago, James had a lot of mess-ups today that we're not going to show you or put on, and I love blowing Damn. up the boys' spots. So that's, I'm just going to, and I usually come after Jake, which I'm about to next. But, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait. At least it's fair. Can I guess it's something about the shirt I'm wearing? Is that true? So Jake warned us <laughs> before he got here today in our group text that that's he would be coming a little bit sluggish. He, bummy, he, he, I think, he, he was the word. Bummy, I think, was the word he used just because he's not feeling the best today. And I told him when he got here, I said, I'm glad, you know, you, you do look nice. I don't think you look bad. Is that what you had to say? <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be something worse. Yo, I really, no, can't, I really a, can't believe she put me on blast like that. Yeah, like, she that's got crazy. Your Wait, I will say, too, me and Jake were the only ones on the, our, uh, we do a phone call every week, obviously, before we jump on. She putting the whole squad on blast? <laughs> no, I'm like, saying, Jake said he missed me over the phone. I go, Jake, it's been one week. And he goes, no, you weren't here the week, week before. I go, oh, yeah, that's right, I forgot. Oh, Jake. Jake really time. missed me. Did you guys miss me? Of course. of course we missed you. You see how many times I messed up in the freaking open last week? Like, of course I missed oh, I you. I see that. All right, Jake, after that, are you going to put me on blast, too? No, I, won't you, I won't put you on You got blast. something to say? Yeah, next week I won't be here. I'm going to be in uh, the city that never sleeps on the West Coast, I guess. Las Vegas, beautiful Las Vegas. Uh, the city Losing that never sleeps Sin is city. New York. Sin, I said city, Sin city is Las Vegas. No, but it's the city that never sleeps oh, on the, the West Coast. Coast. <laughs> it's not even on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's how I'm going to be. I'm just delirious in Las Vegas saying shit that doesn't make sense. You're going to lose but... a bunch of money out there. Oh, huh? yeah, I'm prepared. I, I've, I've been stockpiling. Yo, I did. I hit the casino for the first time. Me, me, and, me and Mike. Yeah, shout out Mike Anthony. Mike dragged Valley me Forge to one? Valley Forge. Mike dragged me to the casino. We played roulette. Uh, I'm, I'm game. Anytime oh, you want no, to, you're I'm hooked. in it now. Oh, I'm, no. not no, I'm not going to play no card games, but after you're done losing money in poker, we can go over to roulette because I'm oh, in it. Oh, my God. I'm in it now. Um, only thing I have to say at the buzzer, it's actually sports-related, which it rarely is. Um, I know you guys have seen a lot of you know coverage about like men's high school basketball players on the come-up, right? We don't see a whole lot uh, on the women's side. And there's this one hooper, this high school hooper named Paige Bukers right now. She's a uh, UConn commit, uh, currently is, let's see what, where she plays. She's from Minnesota, so she, there you go, Jewel, your family out there too. Like Wisconsin? Was, yeah, it's all the same thing. All the same thing, oh, all the same thing out there. Listen, <laughs> listen, Paige Bukers is a hooper. Right now for her career, she's averaging 20. 24 points a game, five assists, and five rebounds, four steals, and a block in her high school career. Like, you guys got to peep what she's doing. Like, she, I think, what she's going to be like the next WNBA superstar. Like, I think legit that's what we're watching at Paige Bukers. She's a baller, man. I'm going to have to pass her information along to uh, Mike McLaughlin, the Penn women's basketball head coach. Well, she's already, she's already a UConn commit. Already said that. Oh, you already said that. <laughs> So, so he's going to be like, this is going to be like, damn, we play them. Like, that's, <laughs> like, that's ass. Like, they're in the American. <laughs> so, but no, I, I I really think if y'all don't know who Paige Bukers is, go check her out. She, she's the next up and coming, like, Maya Moore, Brianna Stewart, all that. She's going to be amazing. But that's all the time we have for this episode. It was a good one. Again, big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera. For my partner, Jewel Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. To my main man's Jake Galley. I'm James Jackson. And even with my mess-ups, these have been the facts. Straight up.